0: This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey there everyone, welcome back this week. I skipped a week last week and didn't say anything. I just kind of needed a break and, and so I took it. I think in the spirit of more than work, that's perfectly okay. I have heard from a lot of people that not just me, but others are really kind of overwhelmed lately and busy, and I think a lot of kids are out of school now, so parents are doing other things, and for me it's just kind of comedy's busier and work's busier and personal life's busier. And all good things, but, you know, sometimes you don't have time to do those those things like edit a podcast, for example. I am glad I, I did this week, though, because my guest, Joey Held, he's a fellow squadcaster. That's where I record my podcast. I've said that before. And I, you're going to like it because the guy is just so chill and so positive, but also realistic. And those are kind of qualities that I really like and aspire to as well. So he does marketing, he's written a book, and we're just gonna get into all that. And I'm gonna leave it short because I just think at this point, I'd rather you hear the interview than hear me uh, prattle on about how busy I am, which isn't that fun to listen to, I'm sure. So um, I look forward to the next few interviews I'm gonna be sharing with you as well. I've gotten a few more in the can, so to speak, and a lot of editing to do, and I'm excited to share with you. Also, if you are in London, I am doing my Fringe Cam- Camden Fringe show from um, on the 7th, 9th, and 17th of August. And I'll be up in Edinburgh for Fringe, doing some open spots and seeing friends from the 11th through 16th of August. So if you happen to be in London and listening to this, or up in Edinburgh, I don't know how many listeners I have there, it'd be great to see you. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, the guest today is Joey Held. He is a writer and podcaster, and actually a Squadcaster. That's how I met him, is via Squadcast. So thanks for being on, Joey.
1: Absolutely, Ravia. Thanks for having me. And yes, yeah, shout out to Squadcast.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's how we that's how we met and got introduced to each other's shows and each other. So where am I talking to you from today?
1: I am in Austin, Texas. Very nice. exciting. It was uh, pouring rain earlier in the week to the point of many flights were getting delayed. And now it's nice and sunny outside.
0: Austin tends to have very interesting weather. I lived in Dallas for a couple years, and I got to Austin kind of frequently, because I think the place that was most closely aligned with me in Texas was Austin. So I kind of got out of Dallas whenever I could.
1: Probably a good move.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the weather is something. I was there in November last year, and it was still warm. I mean, it was kind of unbearable in a way, because I was coming from London where it never got that warm for two years it's know? pretty so. It's pretty
1: wild i always like the the people who come i actually just saw an instagram reel about this of the people who come to austin and decide to move here for the vibes and then <laughs> they haven't experienced a summer yet because an austin summer mm-hmm. is just i uh, you know i've lived in some some places with hot weather i went to school at miami so uh, i'm used to some you know hot and humid weather but it's it's something else here it's a very yeah. dry just yeah. in your face heat
0: Yeah, I don't think vibes even know what to do in that heat, right? (laughs) No, they just melt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, nope, our vibe is puddle. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, first of all, you're a writer, and I'll just jump into talking about your book, because you said before we were chatting that you were just at the LA Times Book Festival, right? So, can you talk a little bit about that experience, and then also your book?
1: Yeah, the LA Times Festival of Books. First time they had it uh, in three years since, you know, wow. little, little COVID uh, came through and ruined lots of in-person events. Um, and it was, I was honestly surprised at how packed it was. It was, I think they had estimated uh, in 2019 that they had about 150,000 people. And I would guess it was probably around the same over the weekend. So it was a Saturday and wow. Sunday event. And uh, I was there with a couple other fellow writers. We're peddling our wares. My book is called Kind But Kind of Weird Short Stories on Life's Relationships. I like to equate it to, um, and I've, I've had a couple people tell me this, so I guess I could say people say, even though it's probably like yeah. two to three people, um, that it's as if the characters of the show New Girl wrote a collection of short stories. And wouldn't you know it, at the LA Times Festival of Books, right on the main stage, which was with, within eyeshot of our booth, Max Greenfield, who played Schmidt on New Girl, yeah. was giving a presentation. So I was like, okay, I probably should go say hello. And I had a copy of my book with me. And I bought a copy of his book, which was a, it's a kid's book. that's called I Don't Want to Read This Book. He did the whole reading of it presentation. It was very entertaining. Yeah. And then I, you know, I was in the the signing line and just kind of said, like, hey, this book, uh, people have told me, it's like, if new girl characters wrote a book, he, you know, he congratulated me, he was very nice. And then I was just like, do you want a copy? And he was like, sure, I'll take one. So uh, it could have ended up in a trash can immediately afterwards. But at least while I was there, he he was very nice about it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he took the book.
1: I had never really been at like an exhibit sort of booth Mm -hmm. like that. Like I did, I did a launch event for my book, but that was like, people were there to support me. Like it wasn't, you know. Yeah. I I don't know what the total amount was, but our booth number was 964. So, and, you know, math logic, that makes it seem like there's at least 965 booths because our neighbor was 965. So I... Just to see, like, you know, people are walking by, and some people will walk up, but sometimes you've got to kind of, like, yell at them, and I felt sort of uh, car salesman-y sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I found an effective tactic just yelling out what's on people's shirts, or if they're carrying a bag or hat or something, just, like, commenting on that, and then they'd at least kind of come over, and, you know, it didn't always result in, in a sale or them even, like, picking up a book, but you'd have a fun little conversation for a couple minutes, and in yeah. eight-hour days, it's very nice to have that, to uh, yeah, break up make- some of the, the chaos. <laughs>
0: Yeah, just have some micro interactions that can yeah. kind of, yeah, add up to a full day. Um, so with your book, it's a collection of short stories, correct? Yeah. Are they all f- fiction, all nonfiction, a mix?
1: It's a mix. They're largely fiction, but with elements of nonfiction in them. So mm-hmm. a, a lot of times people will ask, you know, what are people I know? I should say, or it's like, oh, are any of the characters based off of me? And I like mm-hmm. to tell them whoever your least favorite character is. I had you in mind for that, just to, <laughs> to keep their ego in check a little bit. But uh, they, I would say for the most part, they like none of the characters are a hundred percent based off someone I know. Like it's it's taking bits and pieces of either people I've come across or people that I like have you know created in my head. There's one story in there in particular where a character gets a detention for asking for a pizza party in his Spanish class, and that really happened to me. Uh, it's the only <laughs> detention I ever got in high school was for asking for a pizza party, and the teacher I guess had had enough. Although she did promise one, I'm I'm not bitter. It's you know it's yeah more than a decade later, it was two did decades you, later. Goodness, but did you
0: ask in Spanish or did you?
1: Yes. Yeah, so the this will be the the you know too long didn't read version. Basically, she promised us a pizza party if the class collectively got a ninety on a test, and we got a ninety-one. So all of us were were like, let's get a pizza party. But apparently myself and two other people were like the ringleaders so we got detentions everyone else got off scot-free and i swear she said and again this is in spanish so i maybe misunderstood something but i am like 99 percent sure and she said if you if you ask again i will <laughs> give you a detention so i just didn't talk the rest of the class because i didn't want it to be misconstrued uh, and then she just still came up and was like detentione. That's
0: great. (laughs) That's that's funny. I actually Spanish class is the class I got in trouble too. (laughs) What did you do? Um Well, I'll tell you, I mean it's I got in trouble for talking during one of them, but I wasn't the one talking. That was the weird thing. It was the person in front of me and she kept mocking everybody during their dialogue. Like we'd have to do the dialogue. So you have to do that where you had to have a script but say it in Spanish and conjugate a verb or something? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they made us do that, right? And so she kept mocking everyone and he kept thinking it was me, which even at that age, my voice was deeper than the other girl's voices for sure. And it was not me and she ended up being drunk basically. Oh. And so, <laughs> but he kicked me out because he called me a revolutionary leader Ooh. and he kicked me out. And then the the people in the office thought it was so funny that they did make me do detention. And I was like, I didn't do anything and they didn't care. And so, yeah, it was, I mean, I was a smart ass for sure. hundred percent. Um, You know like we would just use the same script in a different verb until one day it didn't make sense and the teacher caught us like after four (laughs) weeks but you know so yeah so spanish class is a tough one i mean you can get really get in trouble in that one i guess if you're otherwise a good kid right so yeah
1: it's wild (laughs) it's wild what what you can't get away with in spanish
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly so with your book how did you decide that you were going to take it and just put a collection together versus have your individual stories stand on their own or even write like a longer form novel? What was the idea that, or what gave you the idea to write the book the way you did?
1: Well, I've always enjoyed writing and had just kind of had a collection of short stories. And I actually released a few of them uh, pre-giving it the final edit that they got on uh, Wattpad, which is, I haven't, haven't poked around too much lately, but it was a really, a really fun little, a platform where you could share stories, and a lot of people do kind of like serial, serialized test runs on there of, of stories they're maybe thinking about doing, or mm-hmm. ju- they're just like, hey, I have like a, a three-part, you know, 10-page each story, and you can release them in chapters like that. So that was a, a nice way to just kind of get some initial feedback on mm-hmm. things like that. And I just, there's probably about four or five of those stories that the core of those stories ended up in this collection as well. Um, just based off of like, hey, people seem to enjoy reading them, uh, and and yeah. they still kind of fit the overall theme of relationships, which does not mean romantic. It can be you know a father mm-hmm. and son or a, or like within you know a class of high school students or things like that. I think it just got to a point where I had enough of them where I was like, I should do something with mm-hmm. these. Like I had I had only released maybe like four or five of them, but I had written I think it was I think it was forty two was the final number I had. And I parsed that down a little bit because a few I was like, ah, this is either t- you know too too dark for the the rest of the book. Yeah. And there's like a couple stories that people have been like, oh, that was like a little creepy. I uh, but I I think they still fit the overall sort of like quirkiness uh, element that mm-hmm. I'm going for. And it, it kind of was just at a point where I was like, hey, I should do something with these because I've written a lot of them, and I think people might enjoy reading them. And so, yeah. I reached out to some agents and publishers. But if if you know anyone listening out there has ever done that with a collection of short stories, you're you're basically told like, no, these don't sell. I don't want this. If you have another right. novel that you can attach it onto, and I was like, well, writing this one was was time consuming enough. So let's let's focus on that yeah. one first, and then we'll we'll come back with a, a longer form novel. Um, and then so just went into the process of getting it out into the world myself. And uh, nice. there's a lot that goes into putting a book together. So, I, I am glad I had some helpful people along the way.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so self-publishing. I interviewed, there was a recent episode I had um, with a, Kevin G. Chapman. He's an author, he's a lawyer, and he also writes. Um, he writes crime fiction. But he was saying that when he wrote his first book, it was probably 20 years ago, I guess, if I am doing any kind of math right now but there was no idea of doing this kind of publishing, right? And there was no Amazon, there was no Kindle, there's nothing, none of that, certainly. But then also the self-publishing kind of that we have now wasn't occurring. So he took a long time to get this first one published, but then he mentioned a similar thing about how, like, in his case, he said if there's a series, they don't want that, they want something new. And it sounds like for you, too, it's like, okay, you have these short stories, but we want something else. And yeah. so just... Did you have any doubt at any point, or did you just say, this is what I want to do, so I'm going to, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still going to do it? Like, how did that work for you? Because I think that has to be hard just to kind of hear rejection a certain number of times.
1: Yeah, I think, um, well, in some cases, you don't hear anything. So it's just, you just submit it (laughs) and you get nothing back, which might even be worse. I think it was nicer to hear that it's like, oh, okay, you actually took the time to read this. Um, I mean, I think there's always doubt whenever you're releasing something into the world or considering it. But I think, you know, I had had shared with other people and and in some cases it it wasn't like friends or family. It was, you know, like strangers in a writing group or something. And I think there was enough enjoyment on it. But also part of it was just like, I would like to share these. And I know, you know, there's nothing that 100% of people like. Maybe the show Dairy Girls for everyone, like everyone I've mentioned <laughs> to who's seen it says I love that show. So maybe that's the one exception. But outside of that, like not everyone's going to enjoy the, these books. And even just finding people that like would uh, even consider short story collections, I feel like was more of a a hunt than I think it, had mm-hmm. it been like a sci-fi or a, a mystery or thriller or something like that. And so I don't think there was any sort of uh, hesitation or or nerves, I guess, but it was more just like, okay, how can I pivot this to keep it going? And I think, you know, self-publishing, I think, has a, a bit of a bad rap because of how many bad self-published books there are out there. It's people yeah. who don't don't even proofread at, at all. Um, you know, I had multiple editors for this. I had an actual design uh, team that was helping with the both the formatting of the book and the cover and all kinds of like other, you know, sort of creative and marketing elements for it. And I think, mm-hmm. I, I think more people are doing that now that it's um, you know, getting rid of that stigma a little bit. But there's definitely mm-hmm. still books. And, and I even saw it at the LA Festival, or LA Times Festival of Books. So a, you know, a world renowned, world renowned, country renowned, at least, festival, where it's a lot of people. And there mm-hmm. were definitely a few books that were clearly not very well edited, uh, that I, you know, I would just page through at a booth or something. And I was just like, oh, this is, you know, an 800-page book about guitar strings, and that probably could have been parsed down a little bit. So, it's yeah. uh, just, a, just a reminder in general to edit your work.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, it, I mean, yeah, and I, I'm one of those people who has been called various names just regarding grammar or punctuation or whatever, and I don't really mind because it's like, well, so I care about <laughs> the quality of writing, and you don't. That's what you're saying, and you're criticizing <laughs> me for it, Right. But it is important because someone's going to be reading that. And I feel like it's the same with, like, podcasting. And we'll talk about your podcast in a bit. But, you know, it's our responsibility to put something out that's pleasant to listen to rather than say, oh, you know, I'm standing on the side of the road creating a podcast (laughs) Oh, my goodness.
1: I, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but I had a guest one time who her Wi-Fi was spotty at her house. So she's like, oh, I'm taking this call from a restaurant. And there was, like, a server taking her order while we were recording (laughs) i was like this this doesn't work i'm like i thought you had like a quiet room within the restaurant Mm -hmm. but you're literally out so then i we got her to move to her car and it came out fine but don't yes don't if you're doing a recording please please try to avoid subways or restaurants or things like that
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah it's hard to it's hard to it seems fine to you it's very hard to listen to Oh, so as far as the writing too, you do you have a newsletter as well called Chris Bounce Pass that you write, and that's a different style of writing, I guess. So what brought about you creating the newsletter?
1: Well, I know a lot of people have pandemic hobbies that they started. You know, bread making was mm-hmm. a big one right when we all we all first started. I my two hobbies were I bought a putting green and uh, started a newsletter. When the pandemic started, sports all disappeared. So Chris Bounce Pass Mm -hmm. is, I like to say, it's a look at the lighter side of basketball uh, and Mm -hmm. pop culture, and kind of the intersection between them. Because I think more than any other sport, basketball just has so many different pop culture elements to it. You know, players are wearing their fashion. Um, There's so much hip hop and rap crossover. A lot of players Mm -hmm. even are rappers and have their own albums. Even good ones, not just like Shaq's Shaq's rap album, which is is fine. It's fine. Um, And there's just, I think there's just so many interesting elements to it. But there's a lot, I mean, a lot of like sports talk shows, it's just people like rattling off stats or, you know, like the NFL draft happened last night as we're recording this. And it's like immediately players are being graded. I'm like, these people are Mm -hmm. 21 years old. And you're like, nope, that was a terrible pick. He hasn't played a single down of football, but terrible pick. And here's why. And it's just like, "Mm, I think there's more fun parts of sports to talk about. Um, So it's a nice, I I started it, uh, I think, just because I was kind of missing sports. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I also just wanted another sort of uh, creative outlet for writing and I mentioned the putting green. That I don't know where that is. That's somehow that's gotten lost somewhere in my house. So I've not kept up with that as well. But the newsletter is still going strong. Had uh, yeah. issue 178 go out today, and I kind of was like, "Dang, that's a lot.
0: That's a lot of writing. That is and, a lot."
1: And it's uh, it's been a blast. And I'll I'll get emails from people who some of them I know, some of them are are strangers outside of the newsletter. But I'm just like, it's so cool to to get that feedback of like, people are reading Mm -hmm. this. Sometimes they'll even add to the story. They're like, Oh, Hey, here's this other cool thing that I thought was, was fun. And, and I have included one of those in a future issue. One of one of those uh, extra stories. And I gave the shout out and I was like, thank you for making me do less work because you just read all of this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I did see, I was scrolling through and checking out some old, so just so people know they can find, your the archives there anyone who's into basketball or even just wants to read something entertaining and learn about basketball um but i was looking through some of your the archive and i also saw how many you had and it was really impressive so as far as writing did you major in that in school or how did you get into being a writer
1: i well i majored in broadcast journalism um so there's definitely writing elements to it uh you know you're writing voiceover or just kind of the the basis for your stories. And there's certainly, especially nowadays, there's like so much crossover between you'll have a video and then you'll also have like the, a, a written article that goes along with it. Um, but writing has just been something I've always enjoyed. I it was just like a, you know, a fun hobby I picked up as a kid. The first book I ever, first book I ever wrote was a, uh, a reading, writing assignment in second grade i want to say this is this is what i consider my first published work um it was basically the plot of space jam but it was my my childhood friends and i i had to take on some i think they were sewer monsters and we had to beat them in a basketball game just to rescue the chicago bulls it wasn't yeah. even like i think at space jam there's a little bit more at stake like the enslavement of humankind or at least michael jordan um but for us it was just the the bulls were you know locked in a room somewhere and then we beat them at yeah. basketball we were able to get them out because i grew up in chicago so a big bulls fan uh, so okay. vital part of the plot there and it was a, a you know a picture book so my crude drawings go along with it mm-hmm. but we did the whole, like, kind of laminated and put it in that, you know, the little, like, binding yep. that you'd use to make any sort of presentation look way fancier than it was. That was yeah. a, a key component to that. And I got an A on it. So I was like, hey, maybe this this writing thing could pay off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's super. But now you're in marketing also, right, As your career. Yes. And so I I just switched to marketing about six months ago, which has been quite a learning experience, I'll tell you, coming from project management. But part of the reason was because I can write and they wanted that. But how does the writing play into your role in marketing? And and then how does it contribute to what you're doing? I mean, it sounds like even your knowledge of in that space generally helped you put out a better quality book than you might have if you didn't have that knowledge.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think the the company I'm at is a communications agency. So it's a full... You know, a full scope type of thing. It's not mm-hmm. just PR. It's not just digital or content. Um, it's it's the whole whole shebang. And I think for the book, that definitely helped in that it was more of a holistic process. Of like, hey, I, I hate saying holistic, but that just came out. Uh, but it was more like okay. you know, an overview. It wasn't just like, hey, I'm just going to pitch my book to like three people and that's it. It was mm-hmm. it was going on to podcasts. It was uh, creating kind of articles and like in the newsletter. Yeah. There's throwing in a story about uh, basketball, which is in the book uh, and, and having that sort of like cross promotional side of things. Um, So yes, it definitely helps uh, having a background in marketing and PR, but you also like with the book, it was also kind of a fun little playground for things because as much as I'd like to think I'm an expert at stuff, the way, especially on social media, like the way these platforms just change so rapidly, I uh, mm-hmm. and will you know something that worked yesterday suddenly doesn't work because it's trying That's to true. be more like TikTok or whatever <laughs> you know whatever the case is, and you you just have to be able to adapt to it and I think a lot of it is kind of experimenting and being like hey I think this will work but then keeping an eye on it and if it's not working then to change it to something that hopefully is doing better mm-hmm. um, but I think writing in general is just so important for. Any profession really, like to be able to write even if you're just emailing between people like even if it's never going outside of company walls, like to be able to succinctly communicate what mm-hmm. you need and what what needs to happen to get your job done I think is is so important, and not everyone has that skill, so it's a, it's a good thing to practice,
0: yeah, well yeah, and to that point, I think just. There's a couple things that I've noticed and that I've been better at one thing is just paring things down to like really what do I need to say and also being direct because I think what I see a lot of people do is and it's funny because I'm working in England. So and I work with people internationally, but they communicate very differently here than they do in the States and they're much more passive. But to me, you're not. I'm not even ever clear on what people are asking for. Sometimes I'm like, "Well, are you asking a question? Are you just making a statement? I'm not sure." And I just find like knowing how to clearly communicate in a very succinct way—not how I talk, but how I (laughs) write—because I don't talk very um, succinctly—is is super important, you know? Because you can save a lot of hassle. You can save a lot of back and forth. You can avoid arguments. I think one thing that happens, especially in the corporate space, is people. Don't read things as they were intended to be consumed, and so you mm-hmm. have to be very careful to write things so that they will be read that way. And it's it's tough. I don't know. I find it difficult.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I always enjoy enjoy is probably the wrong word, but I always find it interesting when mm-hmm. like I'll read something one way, and then someone else will read it a completely different way, and they'll be mm-hmm. like, "Are they mad at us?" And I was like, oh, "I don't get that." But then I'm like, "Well, are they?" I'm like, yeah. i like, but I have the the whole revision uh, in my head where I was like, oh, maybe I just over overthought that whole thing. But mm-hmm. do you have a, a favorite email ism that you like a, a term like you only really use in emails, but you you use it pretty regularly?
0: Oh yeah, and I, it's when I'm trying to stop because I don't want to always do that. I'll say I am just writing to follow up Ooh. on. <laughs> Because I feel like I have to seed it some way like, Oh, I'm just asking this and I'm trying to be very bashful about it, rather than just say, Hey, do you do you have a response on this or yeah. something? You know, and just like the I hope you're well also at the start. I don't I don't I mean I hope they are, but it's also I'm not asking how they are. I'm not gonna ever do that. And yeah. They're not gonna ask me how I am. And so but those two are the ones where I'm like I want to fix them so I can just be more direct. And then it seems less passive. It sounds passive aggressive at some point, you know? Yeah. So yeah. What about you?
1: I think I'm, I'm along the same line of like, oh, just wanted to blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, I'm just asking this question. I didn't want to do mm-hmm. this. If I, you know, if you would answered that, I, I wouldn't yeah. have had to, to do this. So I don't enjoy that I'm yeah. doing it, but I still write it like <laughs> that. Um, And I always, I always say I want to sign off. I, uh, you know, people will do like sincerely best, cheers, whatever. I always want to sign yeah. off tepid regards if I'm like kind of irritated <laughs> at the person, but I've never, I've never pulled the trigger on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, sometimes you just do like the dash and your name. <laughs>
1: <Just Yeah>. No. <laughs> that's no when end. it's, that's when you know you're a little, little irritated. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I think the use of an exclamation mark after hello kind of starts it off like, hello, mm. like I'm not mad at you, but boom. <laughs> Thanks.
1: But I could be.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I think thanks for that exclamation mark too. I always read that as hmm, they're not happy, but they're trying to make sure they end on a high note. you yeah, know <laughs> I like that I like that. <laughs> but you know it is what it's just it is tough. Um, so you, you do enjoy your work though that you do. I the do marketing, I do yeah. And how do you balance kind of I guess doing that job? because I know I mean I don't it depends on what you're doing at the time, but it can be really busy when especially when you're working with clients. How do you balance that with then kind of your own writing? And do you ever get fatigued at one and find one brings you energy, or do you just have to stop on both all sides? Like your personal and your well, your professional is hard to stop because <laughs>
1: <laughs> you can't get because there are consequences.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you ever just stop doing your job? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> just for just for yeah, hours how at it, a time. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. How does it impact each other, though? Do you do you find there's any relation between them? Or are you able to separate things?
1: I I think there is relation sometimes and I've actually had a couple of occasions where someone that I have met through my job ends up, you know, going to a different company and like a completely different field and reaches out and is like, Hey, like I liked interacting with you and I have Mm -hmm. some writing work, you know, would you want to work together? And I think that's always again, just like speaks to the power of really just being nice to people. Like our our company motto is good work with good people makes for a good life. And it's super simple, but it's so impactful. Like if you're working with someone that you don't enjoy, or even I would say just hanging out with someone that you don't like being around, like it does bring your whole, your whole energy and your whole vibe down. And I think that is something that you never want to have happen, but it probably is going to happen at some point. So yeah, certainly in both cases, I would say I've gotten, you know, I've hit, hit a wall or I'm like, I just don't know how to like, I've started writing something and I just don't know how to how to bring it home. So usually I like to just, you know, get up and walk away and, and just mm-hmm. kind of go for a walk. I've got two dogs, you know, just, just scratching a puppy's belly for like five minutes makes all, all problems melt away. And uh, really, it really does kind of like re-energize me. Um, and so sometimes I can go right back to whatever I was working on. But sometimes it's just like, hey, you know, I'm not feeling it right now, but there's enough to work on. And, and with my day job of uh, working at an agency, there's enough clients that I, you mm-hmm. know, it's not just like, Oh, this one client is, I mean, I like all the clients I work with, but hypothetically, like this client's being the worst client I've ever seen before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: If if I, I, that was the only client I worked with, then it would be like, Oh, I don't oh yeah. It might, you know, it might take a little longer to kind of get back in the swing of things, but there's enough to, to shift focus to that. Even if I am feeling, you know, kind of struggling or burnt out on one thing, that there's something else I can turn to.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's great. I know what you mean. It's and it, it's good. I think just getting up and giving yourself space for a minute because everyone runs into that where they just mm. need a, a moment, right? A break. So, and then you come back and do do work or just do something else. I so I was looking at time management stuff and. Just how like you should knock out the most difficult task first, because a lot of people will try to do all the small tasks first and just have wins, and cross stuff off. But then they're usually doing a bunch of unimportant things and not doing the one that's really important and going to be a burden. And so I've been trying that strategy, not very successfully. But (laughs) I also think there's something to be said to maybe doing that, but then doing the small things in between to, you know, get through blocks. But it's it's funny when you look up time management, because some people just say these obvious (laughs) things. You know, and you're like, yeah, I've done that. It's almost like I get mad at Google. Like, yeah, at Google, I know I've done that. <laughs> I'm looking for something real. <laughs> you
1: know? Yeah, I always like, I mean, I've never been a big, you know, I, like a lot of people have like their morning routines. And I, I would say, I guess I mostly make coffee. And that's like the, the biggest part of the routine. But sometimes I'll I'll have like a crazy long list of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it is nice to cross something off, but then I'll think of something else. I'm like, okay, I got to add that on. So the list is never fully, fully done. Um, Even if it's just like, hey, do laundry, like look at the hamper, just look at it, look at how tall it's stacked. And I was like, oh, that should be something I could like easily solve. And sometimes I'll still be like, nah, I'll do this other thing instead. So I I applaud people that can have a routine, um, but it's just not for me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not one of those either. With laundry, I get annoyed because I'm always wearing something. So it's never done, you know? <laughs> it's just never complete. And I've tried the whole thing where, oh, maybe I'll get everything done, but it's like I always have to put something on. So it just it ruins the whole thing. <laughs> laundry, dis- it's defeatist, you know? Um, <laughs> so you also have a podcast, Good People, Cool Things. I get what that is, but tell, tell the listeners what, what is your podcast.
1: Yeah, it's uh, an interview-style podcast where I speak to good people go- doing cool things. No, I'll do. I'll give more than that. Uh, so it's a, it's <laughs> conversations with people who have either started their own business or are musicians or authors. And the overall goal of it is that they will inspire you, whoever is listening, to do your own cool thing, your own creative yep. project. Not necessarily start a business, but you certainly can. I'm not going to stop you. I think that's awesome. Um, And it's just, honestly, it's been just, like, a fantastic way to meet new people from all Mm -hmm. over the world and just see what they are doing. And, like, there's things I've learned about that I would have never, you know, never thought was a profession. There's a fire-breathing sushi chef I got to interview the creator of Taboo and Outburst uh, and, and mm-hmm. a whole host of other board games like that. And I always ask musicians, this is probably my favorite question, is just to tell me about their worst gig that they've ever played. I, <laughs> I'll give, I'll give one quick shout out to uh, David Chabani, who's an Austin-based rapper. His worst gig, he was at a bar where it was one other person and the bartender, maybe one friend there, but they were playing uh, Fast and Furious two, too fast, too furious <laughs> on. Uh, on a tv on the stage like while he was singing so he was like even sometimes i was like taking a break to like look and be like oh that's a good scene (laughs) um, but even out of that the one person who was there who he didn't know came up to him afterwards and he was like hey can i buy a cd like i really enjoyed that and so it's uh, it's always got kind of like an inspirational slant to it because usually yeah in the moment whatever your worst gig or your worst project whatever it is is usually terrible but then afterwards makes for a great story you can go back yeah. and laugh at it or just be sad about it for all time but usually yeah. most people re- like look back with fondness on it
0: <laughs> yeah you move on i mean i do i do stand up and stand up comedy and so that gig you're describing i've definitely been to those kind because sometimes these promoters will have the uh, most of the gigs that i do are in a pub because i'm open mic level but they'll have it in the room like In the pub. They're not going to have it in some room on the side or upstairs or something or in a basement, which is always a little creepy to go into. But they just have it in the pub and the people there don't want it. They do not want to hear your jokes at all. They just want to be in the pub. And so that's like always the most difficult gig because like one I did where the people were just talking right in front of me and I couldn't. (laughs) And there was no way, and they weren't going to listen to me, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't get them out of my eyesight, so I totally understand, like, having a film playing or whatever, it's just like, oh, but you just kind of, you know, you do move on, I mean, there's nothing you can do, but I can't, I don't know, performing music, I find that terrifying, just, I can't sing anyway or rap, but um, I don't, I guess you just would kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah you guys are talking it's that's funny though to have a film playing in the background oh yeah like, hey. it's
1: it's out of control and i would uh, think like at least because yeah because that was that wasn't even just like hey we're just throwing you in the middle of the like that was like a set show that people presumably <laughs> paid money to go see and they're just like now nah, let's let's give uh, i was gonna say let's give vin diesel but i don't think he's in that one so we'll give the Rock I don't, and yeah. tyrese some screen time I, know, I might be mixing up my Fast and Furious movies. My apologies.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, well, there are eight of them. So you, if you name a certain like type of actor, they're probably going to have been in one of them. That's so true, you're yeah. Pretty, you're pretty safe. Yeah, You don't or remember George Clooney's brief
1: appearance in, in Fast 4. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that I didn't know. So actually, that would be reason to watch. <laughs> um, what has been, I guess, the most surprising thing to you about having the podcast, though. I mean, because I think ours are, they're similar, but in a way, like just um, a bit different subject, but similar idea to inspire people to do to do things with other than just what, you know, maybe what they're doing at the time. But what's been the biggest, like, most surprising thing to you that you've learned either about yourself or just about someone else?
1: Well, if this were the first ever podcast I were doing, I'd say the amount of time it takes, because I think that does mm. surprise a lot of people. Or I should say the amount of time it takes to make a good podcast. Uh, and yeah. and one, again, we go back to editing. If it's just like a four-hour riff of you and your bros talking about the latest <laughs> Joe Rogan podcast, uh, <laughs> maybe there's an audience for that, but it's it's certainly not my... My uh, no. eyes would not be on that. My eyes are warriors. Um, I think no. for this one, though, it's just like how invigorating it is to do like there's definitely been times where i have a recording set up and it's you know maybe been a long day or i have something else that i would like to mm-hmm. be doing or or have to do and i'll go into the recording and it's just always i come out of it feeling in a better mood than when i started and i'm sure yeah. at some point i'll have even even the guest that was recording from the restaurant initially yeah we you know got her in the car and it turned into a great conversation um so sometimes it's just you know, it, it is people's first appearance on a podcast where they haven't done it a lot. And they don't mm-hmm. necessarily understand the audio engineering because their exposure to podcasts, if any, is, you know, yeah. like a Conan O'Brien needs a friend where listen to those credits. There's like 14 people that work on the show. Like there's a lot that goes into it. And I think for most podcasters, it's it's just us. You know, it's just us doing all of these things. Yeah. And I'd like to think my broadcast journalism career and working in radio while at college was you know, led me up to at least be competent of what audio should sound like. But there's definitely Mm -hmm. things where I'm like, I can't remove this, you know, the screeching tires because you're recording from the set of Fast and the Furious 15. Uh, I don't know what the pun would be for 15. (laughs) But just like... Quinceanera. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now I want that to happen. It's Vin Diesel's daughter (laughs) has the quinceanera, but a car drives the... Ah, we we got to write, we got to write a fast and furious, make a cool quarter billion of dollars. dollars. Then then we can hire people to help with our podcast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. We can get editors.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's the dream, the dream.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the time it takes and especially just with, well, yeah, editing, editing takes a while. So we've talked about a couple things that could be construed as advice, but do you have any advice or mantra that you want to share with listeners? Just that you kind of follow or, that you like to impart for this kind of
1: podcast? Yeah, when you are talking with people, listen to what they're saying. I feel like I see so many conversations and have participated in some where someone asks me a question and then I start answering and I can see like their eyes wandering or maybe they like pull out their phone and they're kind of glancing through and like passively listening. And I mean, maybe they're great at that, but to me that just shows like a complete lack of interest and it's like you're only just kind of going through the motions here or uh when i lived in la i'd get this a lot of like people would initially or uh, learn that i did not have any kind of connections in the movie Mm. industry for them and they were aspiring actors so they were like all right well i'm gonna stop talking with you then but i think like everyone has interesting things going on with them Mm -hmm. and i think if you are genuinely curious and ask about it like it can lead to some some good things for you down the road and if not then you had Mm -hmm. an entertaining conversation that's
0: that's pretty good. Yeah. And one thing along those lines that I've just started to do at work is if I have a call with someone and I don't need to be at my computer, like it's not a video call or it's not a call where I'm, you know, sharing something or whatever, I'll just take the call on my phone and Mm -hmm. get up from my desk because otherwise I'm definitely one of the people who will be, I mean, right now when I'm talking to you, I have my other monitor because i can look at my notes which i assume you know but like (laughs) because no i've been offended this entire discussion i'm sorry oh great (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah is the oh is this is this am i this character but i'm just (laughs) but um
1: (laughs) this is just it's just a subtle dig at you
0: (laughs) (laughs) i hope you're well but the thing is like so i will do that i mean that's just i guess i'll just tagging on to your advice like i'll just kind of get up and have teams on my phone just so i'm not looking at the computer, because I, you can tell, too, when someone is talking to you, even if it's just on the phone, that they're just not with you anymore. And it's really a bad feeling for yeah. for you as the person talking, but also the person listening. I mean, hopefully they feel some remorse, too, when they get caught. I don't know.
1: They probably don't even realize that.
0: <laughs> they don't. They're, they're still so, so distracted, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know they're on the phone anymore. Um, that's that's really good advice. And I think it's it kind of tra- just tracks with what... I've experienced talking to you and 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 listening to your podcast, but in talking to you and interacting with you and stuff is that you are just really kind. I mean, that's just unsolicited feedback, I guess that I can tell you just live genuinely in a kind way. And so one of those things would be listening, which is nice. So thank you. That's very nice. Yeah. (laughs) So as far as um, the last questions, they're called the fun five. And it's just some questions that I like to ask every guest. So the first one is, what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? I
1: was, I was thinking about this, cause I think there's a couple and I was trying to think which one was the oldest. So I'm going to go with, when I was on campus at Miami, they had a uh, hug the lake. So there's a lake on the campus of Miami. We did oh. a hug the lake to help. I think it was just to be like, hey, we have a lake on our campus and like stop doing things that might threaten its removal. And so it was just like all the students on campus, it wasn't every student, but a lot of students, we each just kind of, you know, locked, locked arms, held hands around this lake uh, and got t-shirts for it. So it's a big picture of a lake with its arms out, like it's hugging you. And it's in Miami orange, (laughs) the lake is blue, but like the shirt is like the bright Miami (laughs) orange. Uh, And it's, I I guess it must've been, that was my freshman year. So it was 2006. So What is that, 16? So it's old enough to drive.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, that's cool. They were, you guys did that too. So, one thing, I mean, now it's a bit different, but this question could still apply to some people. Um, If every day was really Groundhog's Day, like the same, like the movie with Bill Murray, what song would you have your alarm clock play every morning?
1: This is a, I I was wondering if I wanted to base this on reality where I have my current alarm is set to uh, K Love, which is a Christian Austin based radio station, which I have not changed the, radio station in like 20 years on my alarm so i when i lived in la i i think i might have said it to k-day which is hip-hop and i just never okay. changes from them but i actually really like waking up to k-love because it's either just very inspirational songs or the mm-hmm. hosts are talking about something and they're super generous and nice with each other so it's just like a nice yeah. pleasant little conversation to wake up so maybe something like that i could just keep my my everyday life like i am living that but in the spirit of the question, I, I'll go with perhaps one of my favorite karaoke songs, which is Roses by Outcasts, um, Because oh. I'm assuming we're getting uh, different, and then this might be taking a leap, but I'm, the alarm would go off at different parts of the song. So it actually yeah. it probably would be the same part every day. But still, there's lots of different parts of the song. You've got the little piano intro, which is very nice. Mm-hmm. You've got the Caroline parts with the, the call and repeat. The chorus is very catchy as well. And then you've got... Uh, big boys rap section in this, So there's lots yeah. of different parts of the song where I enjoy it, where I'm like, okay, I could wake up to that. And you're kind of waking mm-hmm. up and smelling the roses, even though they smell nice. like boo, boo, boo. The song
0: says. <laughs> yes. And that's a good karaoke song, actually, because there's a variety and you could have someone who can't sing, do part of it with yes. you and someone who can. Yeah.
1: You just need a little rhythm yeah. for the, the rap section. Yeah. And otherwise, otherwise half of it's just the audience repeating what you say. So it's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah that's good cool um all right coffee or tea or neither i think i might be both
1: i like to do coffee in the morning and then a caffeine free tea in the afternoon with a little little honey in there too
0: smart yeah that's good i know um some of us haven't learned to not have coffee in the afternoon yet but
1: oh i'll still do it occasionally and i regret it every time yeah it's almost (laughs) at like after
0: like 11
1: a.m sometimes now where i'm just like i'm gonna be up all night but yeah, I'm gonna that's drink it. this anyway because I feel like I need it now.
0: <laughs> cool. And then, can you think of something that just like cracks you up or makes you laugh, so hard you cry when you think of it, or even a recent thing that just kind of had you doing that?
1: I, yeah, I mean, there's plenty of things in life, but for something that people could also enjoy, perhaps. I Nate Bargatze, uh, the stand-up comedian, he has mm-hmm. a, a bit where his friend, he basically he played a prank on his friend where he took a bite of his McDonald's cheeseburger and then like wrapped it back up and gave it to him <laughs> and his, the his storytelling of his friend's reaction is hilarious and it i'm like laughing just like about it now but it i don't want to spoil it because he tells it much better than i do but if you if you google nate bargetsy mcdonald's okay. you'll you'll be able to see
0: <laughs> awesome all right last one who inspires you right now
1: can i say my mom is that a cheat
0: yeah <laughs> No, that's great. Yes, she's. Yeah. I was
1: recently home for. I was, I was telling you about my busy month of travel, but I mm-hmm. uh, just the amount of work that's currently being done on the home, I of, of my my childhood home, um, and just how she's like keeping everything together and and still thriving and going through everything. It was, it was very nice to see, and I was like, I'm glad you passed some of these genes along to me.
0: Nice. Oh, that's cool. No, and I think. I don't know. It's always nice. for I'm very close to my mom, and I think it's always nice to hear people say their mom. Yeah, yeah.
1: Probably spend more time with us than anyone else. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> for sure. At least for quite a lot bit of our lives. Um, so, if people want to look you up or know more about you, where do you want them to go? Yeah.
1: Joeyheld.com has most of my shenanigans going on. I, I try not to overwhelm people with links, but you can get to the podcast. You can get to Chris Bounce Pass from that. I uh, also give a shout out I am in a band too we're called Burning Years so uh, available wherever you listen to music uh, and it is a great great little uh, you know your favorite songs from high school I like to say like a nice pop punk slash rock band. no 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 it's, it's original okay. songs but it's in that nice. that spirit so it'll take you back I think um, and then on, on Twitter I'm at Joseph Currency and I love meeting people on there so come say hello some of your favorite gif we'll have a blast
0: awesome well, it was great to have you on, Joey. I really appreciate you taking the time yeah. to, to chat with me and um, good luck with the book, too. I'm looking forward to reading it.
1: Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun and I wish you tepid regards now and in the future.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show, and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels, at, at More than work Pod or at Comedy on TikTok, and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.